What's up, everybody? It's your friend, Chris Sumlin, again with another episode of the Sum Podcast. And I just want to say thank you so much, everybody who responded to my first episode. I appreciate everyone who shared it on social media. Everybody who was like, oh, I want to come on. I'm going to come be a guest host. I support you. I want to see you win. I just want to say thank you. I also want to give a special uh, special shout out to Turtle AB Studios, who was hosting me here in Seattle. Super duper happy to be here in Seattle these past couple of weeks. It's been incredible and amazing and I've learned so much and I just want to thank everybody for the support with the Sum Podcast. Again, we're going to be adding up and summarizing all of the biggest stories in pop culture and I'm your friend, your host, Chris Sumlin, so let's get into it. The big story that everyone's been talking about really since over the weekend that I kind of wanted to address is the whole WGA writers strike. If you don't know anything about it, writers are on strike. So you know how when you watch a television show, let's say your show is you or succession, there is a team of writers that write those shows. And those writers are part of a union called the Writers Guild of America or the WGA. The WGA is protecting writers, trying to make sure that they have like their rights, making sure that they have advocacy so they can get uh, equal pay and so forth. And what happened is the writers have gone on strike because they're upset that they're not getting equal pay. They feel like they're getting underpaid and they're worried about artificial intelligence coming in and taking their jobs. So because they've not been getting the protection that they want, simply put, the writers have gone on strike. So with that being said, a lot of the shows that we watch and consume on the day-to-day are impacted by the writer's strike because if there's not writers to write these shows, how are you going to have a show? It's real simple. So as of like today, they say that the late night shows are the ones that were impacted immediately. So we don't have Jimmy Fallon on air, Seth Meyers, Stephen Colbert, or even SNL right now because they don't have writers because the writers are on strike. And I really think it's so important that we go back because this has happened before. Back in 2007, there was a writer's strike. This is when I was just like a kid. I didn't know anything about like television or the ecosystem or how it works. But back in 2007, there was a writer's strike similar to this one that lasted 100 days. According to an NPR study, the economy affected by this writer's strike made a $1.5 billion impact on the Los Angeles economy. That's a lot of money. 100 days, $1.5 billion lost just in LA. And back then, the shows that were impacted were Ugly Betty, The Office, Breaking Bad. Like Those shows took a hit because the writers went on strike. And I wish I could come on here and give you all this beautiful story about like, oh, I think they're going to figure it out. Oh, I think it's going to work. But unfortunately, I can't really say that with confidence. I think that artificial intelligence is like a really new thing that's going to change the world very fast. Like, I think this is going to change very fast where every month, every six months, like we're going to see major developments in the way that we live, the way that we make money and the way that we operate. So the fact that the writers are like trying to say like, we want protection from AI, you know, I'm not really sure that they're going to be able to be protected. I think a lot of things are going to be changed by artificial intelligence because I'm not really well versed in AI yet. Like, I really don't really know the depths in which AI can be used. But what I see in the future is I see them taking like all of their television scripts from the past and just uploading them into like this artificial intelligence and be able to to compute and put out new scripts with this artificial intelligence. I think there will be a day where you can say, oh, I want The Office, but I want it like with three women like Charmed, but then also one like in the universe of Atlanta. And they're gonna be able to put that equation into artificial intelligence and they're gonna be able to get scripts. Because at the end of the day, human capital cost 
Every person with their ideas, with what they bring to the table, it costs a lot of money. So if there's a way to kind of automate that and make it a really easier way to create these scripts, I think that they're going to go for it. So I really don't see the writer's strike ending anytime soon in a very amicable, positive way. But I think that there should be, you know, um, when I was younger, I had a teacher named Mr. Wilson and Mr. Wilson was one of the coolest teachers I ever had. And it's funny because he actually like contacted me today and said that he's going to put the podcast in rotation, which is great. But I remember Mr. Wilson used to teach us world history. And one thing that he used to say that was so simple, but so profound is he said, why do we study history? why do we study history? And me, I was 14 at the time. Like I remember not really having like the right answer. I think I said something really smart actually, but Mr. Wilson said, the reason that we study history is so that we don't make the same mistake twice. So when I see this writer's strike happening in 2023, similar to what happened in 2007, when you had $1.5 billion lost in the Los Angeles economy, when all of these shows were impacted, it's like, we don't want to repeat the same mistake twice work to Mr. Wilson. So I'm hoping that these studio executives can say like, hey, let's not let this last 100 days like it was before. Let's not, you know, prolong this and lose writers and lose the television ecosystem and economy. Let's solve this quickly and amicably. But I'm, unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to happen. But my prayers with the writer's strike, um, I hope that it ends soon. I used to actually really want to be a television writer at one point. I thought that was what I wanted to do. But as you can see, I enjoy doing pop culture commentary more. But um. Yeah, I really hope that the writers strike ends sooner than later and that these writers um, come to an agreement where they can work and have their jobs protected. So that's all I'll say about the writers strike. In other news, we have um, Haley Bailey, who is um, on the cover of Ebony Magazine today. I love Chloe and Hallie. I'm sorry, Hallie Bailey, who did their coming up under Beyonce. Um, Beyonce has her... Uh, Parkwood Entertainment record label, where she really just like put out these two girls who were making YouTube covers. And now they're like bona fide superstars. Hallie is going to be starring in The Little Mermaid, which comes out May 26. I'm super duper excited for it. I think it'll really be great. And then her sister, Chloe, who Beyonce signed, just released an album and she's on tour as well. But I must say, like, um, I think like Hallie's having a really good year. There was a lot of conversation when Chloe, her sister, who Beyonce signed, put out her album, and I guess there were low album sales. And people thought that Beyonce should have done more to support Chloe's album. Like, why isn't Beyonce helping them? Like, she's probably threatened by them. And I just really didn't like that narrative because I feel like Beyonce has done her job to give these two ladies an opportunity to do something in the world of pop culture. They released an album together, I think it was called Ungodly Hour, and they had that song, Do It, do it. And like that was a hit. I think it was Grammy nominated at one point. Now we have, you know, Hallie, who's going to be in Little Mermaid. She was at the Met Gala on Monday. And I really think that they're doing a really good job of pushing these two artists. But I think that it's so important that these artists like carry their own weight and carry like their load. I don't think that you should rest on anybody bringing you into the industry and thinking that it's going to be handed to you. Like any type of success is going to be handed to you. I think that for Beyonce just to sign the girls to kind of give them her stamp of approval, that alone is enough. And now it's incumbent upon Chloe and Hallie to like go and run, like book the movies, do Little Mermaid, put your album out, promote it, do interviews, find out who you want to be, post on social media. Like it's for them to run. So as I saw Hallie on 
Ebony magazine. I'm like, well, she seems to be really doing well. Like I'm seeing her on the covers of magazines. I'm seeing her at the Met. I'm seeing her at the Little Mermaid. They just dropped the first song. It's on Spotify. It sounds great. And I'm just like, Chloe and Hallie are going to be okay. But I really think that it's important that those two give the blessings that Beyonce has given them in like their moment in pop culture and run with it because no one gives you anything. Like even as I'm doing this podcast, as I'm building my brand and putting out content out into the world, there's no one that's going to like handle my business for me. There's no one who's going to wake me up and say, it's time to do the podcast. It's just not going to happen. So I really think that when people are out here doing their thing, they have to like have their own back and put themselves out there. And that's what I hope Chloe and Hallie can do as they move forward and continue to build careers. In other news, Missy Elliott has been inducted into the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's going to be inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that just came out today. And I thought was really great. She would be the first female rapper to be inducted. And I just want to say that I really, really like Missy Elliott. And people tend to forget, I think that Missy Elliott came up before there was all of this like rap beef. Like today, in order to really be successful, I feel like there's always like a beef that has to take place. Like it's always like Nikki versus Cardi and Meg versus this one. And, and this artist Bia versus this artist. Like it's so much like competition and it's kind of negative where Missy came up and she was just talented. It was about her and her pen and being creative and being innovative and putting herself out there and making really good art. For me, my first introduction to Missy Elliott was like under construction. I remember being a young man listening to like Work It and watching that video on 106 in Park and seeing like, oh, Missy Elliott doing her thing and rapping those songs and thinking it was really cool. And then after Work It came out, it was like Gossip Folk. So like that was like the Missy Elliott song. And then when you even go back into her discography, She's someone who's been in the game for years and has been very unproblematic. We don't really hear about Missy in a very negative way. It's just like kind of her doing her thing and just like being an artist. And that was that's always worked. Like she won Best Female Hip Hop Artist at the BT Awards so many times. If I'm not mistaken, she has Grammys. I know she has uh, number one songs and albums. And I just want to say that I really am proud of Missy Elliott for just kind of being non-problematic and putting her talent first uh it's been a minute since we've had a missy elliott like era or a song or an album so i really hope that she will come on back i would go see missy elliott on tour um i know that in las vegas they're doing the lovers and friends concert which has like mariah and usher and all of these people i would love to see like a missy elliott residency where it's just her i would love to see her perform we saw her perform at the VMAs not too many years ago when she got the VMA Vanguard Award. And Missy Elliott, she brought it. Like, she did her thing. She was out there performing Lose Control. That was a whole moment. And it's like, I would love to see a Missy Elliott, like, revival. So as she's being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that's such an incredible accomplishment, being the first female rapper to do so, I would love to see another Missy Elliott, maybe, like, song and video, and maybe, like, a greatest hits album that leads to, like, a Vegas residency. Because I do think that people would love to see Missy Elliott do her thing and do what she does well, which is rap and perform. So congratulations to Missy Elliott being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think that is absolutely incredible. Another tweet that I saw online that I would like to discuss is that uh, 21 years ago this week, the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was released out into the world. And I'm just like, I love that. I used to say that that was my favorite movie. You know, when you'd have conversations with people, they would say, oh, like, what's your favorite movie? Like, what, uh, what's your favorite movie? I would always say, the 2002 Spider-Man. And 
I remember as a kid, like watching that movie, thinking that the cinematography was just so beautiful. Like it was it just looked so high budget and it was just so amazing and just so good. That was James Franco, Kirsten Dunst, just those OG Spider-Man people. And to be honest, that was my favorite like franchise from Marvel. And so I've not really got into Homecoming. I have not really got into Zendaya's boyfriend, Tom Holland. I have not really appreciated or seen or even have a desire to watch those episodes or those movies. Like I'm not into that new Spider-Man era. I love the original Tobey Maguire. I like Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Of those three movies, my favorite one was Spider-Man 2. I felt like that was the one where he was really going through it when he was facing like Doc Ock and he was like going through real life stuff and he lost his powers, he lost the girl, he, he you know lost his job, they was knocking on his door and needing the rent. And one of my favorite scenes from that movie is like, uh, there's a moment he's like going to school or something and the landlord like busts out the door and says, rent, rent, rent. And he like runs out of the door. That's relatable. Okay. Like there are times where it's like, Lord, these bills be due and I'm just going to run. Shout out to Spider-Man 2, man. Like that is just a classic. And I just love the Spider-Man movie. But it's been 21 years ago this week when that movie was released. But I would say that of the Marvel franchise, of the Spider-Man series, that that is my Spider-Man that I just really enjoy and love. And that's all I will say about that. There was a report on Bloomberg announced that Taylor Swift helped boost Las Vegas tourism to pre-COVID levels. Taylor Swift has helped boost Las Vegas tourism to pre-COVID levels. As you all know, I went to the Eras tour. Um, I went and saw Taylor Swift live and I actually went to the Las Vegas show. I think that, you know, in the culture, everyone's always like sharing people's concerts and you see the photos and you see the costumes before you get to actually go. So I remember when I saw that the heiress tour Taylor's concert was coming out, I wanted to go as early as possible. So I actually ended up going to the third show in Las Vegas. So I was a part of this. So Bloomberg released an article today talking about this, saying that two nights of the Taylor Swift heiress tour helped to drive Las Vegas tourism to pre-COVID levels in March, according to the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. About 3.6 million people visited the city, I was one of them, in March, which was up 9.6% from 2000. 22 after it uh, after it played host to the concert in addition to the Pac-12 men's college basketball tournament and a weekend of NASCAR racing. I don't think that the Pac-12 men's college basketball tournament or the NASCAR racing even were remotely close to what the Eras Tour brought. Like I know that those shows were like sold out. So I really think that you know Taylor Swift really is the one that really boosted it. That headline is correct. I don't know why they even mentioned Pac-12 and the NASCAR racing, because I just don't see that bringing the, the height and the hype of what Taylor Swift brought with her concert. But they're saying like that is what really brought it. Um, Swift announced on at her March 24th show that she was the first woman to ever headline the Allegiant Stadium, which opened in September 2020, according to Billboard magazine. And that Allegiant Stadium was gorgeous. And I hadn't been to a concert in a minute. My last concert before going to Taylor Swift's concert was Ariana Grande's The Sweeteners Tour in 2019. And I remember like just going to concerts and going to a lot of events that when you would go to an event, you really didn't have cell phone reception. You really couldn't make calls. You really couldn't upload your videos to your story or to Instagram or to Facebook in the concert. 
I remember very vividly going to Beyond St. Jay-Z's on the run tour at the Ohio Stadium back in 2018 and trying to like take photos and take videos and post them to my Instagram while I was at the concert. And I had wasn't able to do so because of the lack of reception and the lack of Wi-Fi. So when I went to Taylor's concert at the Legion Stadium um, on March 24th, that actually was the show I went to. And I had not only Wi-Fi to upload photos, but to even go live on TikTok. That blew my mind. I was like, oh, wow. So I guess it's because like in these new stadiums that they're creating that they have the Wi-Fi capability to really do that type of stuff. Like they were able to have us all. Like I was live, not just taking photos, not just uploading, but was like live streaming a video at her concert in the Allegiant Stadium. And that place was so gorgeous, so nice, and was beautiful. And I had a really, 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 really good time. But I'm not surprised that that was the thing that really got tourism back in Las Vegas, because that show was great. Uh, yeah, so it said um, weekend hotel occupancy reached 94.5% in March, the highest it's been since the 19, uh, 94.8 it reached in February 2020, just before the pandemic shut down everything. And overall hotel occupancy was 88.3% in March, up from 82.2% in February. For the first three months of the year, more than 10 million people visited the nation's gambling capital. The record year for visitors was 2016 at 42.9 million. Shout out to Taylor Swift. And I really think that we're going to be seeing more of these types of conversations of there being revivals of local economies and like record levels of like tourism and all that type of like luxurious stuff and vacations. Now that COVID is really over, not only that COVID is really over, but also the fact that like they've lifted all travel bans. Like now you don't have to like wear a mask on the airplanes. Like, and everyone's going on tour this summer. I remember talking about like Drake is going on tour. We have Beyonce going on tour. Um, Alicia Keys is going on tour. I saw that in the news. So I see more of this type of increase in tourism in different cities, not just with Taylor Swift, but with everyone this summer as we have these really big acts hitting the road in addition to a lot of the COVID restrictions being released. So shout out to Las Vegas, shout out to Taylor Swift. And I'm very happy that I was one of the millions of people that went to Las Vegas during that weekend. It was a really good time. And I will also uh, say this, that when I tried to go, I was in Los Angeles at the time and was trying to go to Vegas for the show. It was so packed that I couldn't even get a flight from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. I had to take a bus. I was able to get a flight out like that next morning, but I was unable to get a flight from Los Angeles to Las Vegas that weekend. So I think that just speaks to the enormity of Taylor Swift coming, the desire for people to come to the city because I couldn't even get a flight from LA to Vegas that weekend because all the flights were sold out. All right. So that is really exciting and really incredible. Shout out to Taylor Swift and that whole thing. That's really good. Something else I wanted to talk about is like, I always talk about Taylor Swift. Like that is just what I've become kind of known as on social media is talking about Taylor and like what she's doing and what she's done. And so two songs that I'm really like obsessed with right now, I don't know if anyone knows this, I'm listening to Gorgeous from Taylor Swift's Reputation album, which is an album cut from Reputation, which came out, I think in 2017, really good song. And I've also been listening to Blank Space. I posted a video on me on Instagram of me singing Blank Space yesterday and people really liked it. 
So I'm still listening to Taylor Swift, still having my Swifty awakening. I just want to say I really, really do like it. Um, I had a friend hit me up on social media and he was like, I want to see you win. Like I support and I'm proud of you, but I don't care about that white girl you be singing. And it's so funny because again, like my base of people who know me, I went to an HBCU. My friends are black. I went to a black high school. So when I come talking about Taylor Swift, it's very new for the people who are getting, who have known me for years. They're like, yo, I didn't know that Chris listened to that. And that's not somebody that I'm really interested in. But I just want to, again, shout out all my uh, Morehouse brothers and all my friends who are just like, you know, I don't really get into Taylor Swift, but I love you. And I'm really proud of the work that you're doing. So I really do appreciate that. But I can say as a black man that there's some really good Taylor Swift songs that are out there that I hope people will continue to listen to and be impressed by. Um, as I said before, I like Enchanted. I like Mine. I like Endgame. I love You Belong With Me. I love Fearless. So as I'm saying these songs, I hope people make their list and they're like, oh, let me go check that out and see what Chris is talking about. Let's see him talk about this. Let's listen to this Reputation album he's talking about and see if I have any hits on there that I like. I hope people do because there's some really good music on there from Miss Taylor Swift. Uh, lastly, we are seven days away from Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour. Seven days away from Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour. Now, personally, I would post about the tour if I was Beyonce and her Parkwood team. I really don't understand uh, why there's been such radio silence. I mean, there literally was one Instagram post um, in February, like to commence Black History Month, saying like the Renaissance World Tour was happening. And then that's been it. I think now would be the day to post like the rehearsals. Now would be the day to post how excited you are to perform the songs that you've not said anything about or maybe even release videos for. I feel like her fans, we've been the ones really holding this renaissance era down making cuff it become her longest standing song um making break my soul which was the first single from the album go number one on the billboard hot 100 with no music video that's very very rare and so i just think beyonce her team should kind of be like well what can we do to kind of show appreciation to the fans for really pushing this music and getting it out there renaissance won four grammys at the last 2023 Grammy Awards and like it's been doing really well for the lack of promotion and effort on Beyonce's part. So I'm really hoping that as we get closer to the Renaissance World Tour that she starts posting and promoting and letting people know that this concert is in fact happening. One thing that Taylor Swift does on her Eras tours after the shows are over, she'll post on Instagram and say, thank you to Atlanta or thank you to uh, Nashville, which is coming up, or thank you to Vegas for this show. And I think that even little notions like that matter. So I'm hoping that there will be a social media push and a promotional push to get the culture talking about this Renaissance World Tour. But I will say that I will be tuning in. It was really my goal to go to Stockholm, Sweden. Like I really wish that I had the means to like fly to Sweden, but unfortunately I'm all the way on the West Coast and I just couldn't make it happen. But I am going to tune in. I anticipate that there will be TikToks, there will be videos on Twitter, there will be news articles written about and spoiling the Renaissance World Tour before it makes its way to the United States. So I'm going to tune in. I will be watching those live streams. I will be reading those articles. I do not... Uh, will not shy away from consuming spoilers. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, well, some of my favorite songs on the album are Heated, 
I love Cozy. I love Virgo's Groove. I think those are some of the strongest songs that Beyonce has ever made. So I look forward to seeing her perform those songs. I look forward to those songs captivating the culture once again as she releases, you know, visuals and music videos and does her concerts. I really hope that this Renaissance revival moment happens. I've been waiting for it. I've been hoping for it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens on May 10th in Stockholm, Sweden. Well, you all, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of The Sum Podcast, where we're adding up and summarizing all of the biggest stories in pop culture. Again, I just want to say I'm really grateful to be here in Seattle and to have had this experience and uh, to be hosted here. Uh, thank you to everyone who has been interested in the podcast. My intention and hope is that I'll be able to bring on guest hosts in a very simple way where if you want to come on and discuss Beyonce or K-pop or sports or the NBA playoffs, that if you're listening to this and want to do so, that you will have a platform and a space to come on and share your opinion. And then I'll put my distribution on it and put it out to the world and we'll share it on social media and make it happen. But I'm definitely looking to bring on partners. So if that is something that you're interested in, like, Oh, I want to be a guest host and I want to come on in my mind. I see it being like 15 minutes of just us chatting and then be putting it out on Spotify and out here on social media and out into the world wide web. So if that's something that you're interested in, please definitely let me know and get in contact with me via Instagram at the Chris Sumlin, or you can even email me at sumlinchristopher at gmail.com. But again, we're building this thing as we climb. I'm someone who is very ambitious and likes to be self-sufficient. So I'm editing this podcast. I'm producing this podcast. I'm doing my research every day and distributing this podcast all on my own. But I know that if I continue to be consistent, that it will work. That in the same way that I was on TikTok consistently and got to 23,000 followers in less than a year, that the podcast will grow even if it takes a little bit more time. So as people are listening to these episodes, as they're telling their friends about me, of someone who makes content and talks about what's in the culture, I just want to say that I really do appreciate it. But this has been a ride and I'm looking forward to continue to ride and to grow and develop my uh, professional personal brand. So I'm super duper excited. So again, if, if you're new here and I've never really listened to my content before, I invite you to check me out on TikTok, where I do lots of pop culture commentary. If this is your first time checking out the podcast on Spotify, I invite you to subscribe and follow, as well as leave a rating. That stuff really helps. And send these episodes to a friend. If you're like, man, I really like Chris's point about tourism. I really like Chris's point about the writer's strike. You know, send it. That's the only way things get big is through word of mouth and sharing. We have to share the content. So I appreciate y'all for listening to this episode, and I'll be back again to sum it up even more. So have a good day wherever you're doing or whatever you're going through, and I just hope that we continue to come back again and have another episode. So thanks so much for listening. I'll check you next time, and have a good one. This is another episode of The Sum Podcast, where we're summing up and adding all the biggest stories in pop culture. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much. 